Hi everyone and welcome to Exploring the Midwest. My name is Jody, and I will be your guide as we chat with incredible people across the 13 Midwestern states and discover all the amazing things there are to see and do. I hope you enjoy our summer topics and I invite you to reach out to me at any time with topic ideas or destinations, attractions, or even people that you think I should know about. You can click through the show notes and leave a comment or connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Jody Halstead. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in again to the Exploring the Midwest podcast. Today, we are kicking off state fair season, and I am so excited to start with the country's most famous state fair. Now, this state fair was the inspiration for the novel State Fair. It spawned three motion pictures, a smash Broadway musical by Rodgers and Hammerstein, and has loads and loads of national accolades. So the Iowa State Fair was the place I had to begin. So much to recommend it. And my guest, Mindy Williamson, is the marketing director for the Iowa State Fair, and she's ready to share some facts, fun, and of course, the food that draws millions of people into the state each year. So Mindy, thank you so much for joining me today. We love talking about the Iowa State Fair and, you know, I will second what you said about it being um, the best state fair and we're a little biased here, but uh, it's a great slice of Americana and, um, you know, in addition to the things that you mentioned, it is listed on the 100 or 1000 things you need to do uh, before you die. So. Uh, if you haven't been, uh, you know, I would say come out and experience it. And um, if you have been, we welcome you back each August. Now, give, can you give me a brief history of the Iowa State Fair? It feels like state fairs are just kind of one of those things that have always been around in the Midwest. And they they all began with something. And I my guess is that that has its basis in agriculture. So can you give us a little bit of history of the Iowa State Fair, when it began, where it began, and, and those kind of things? Yeah, um, I think that it's really important to note, you know, Iowa is an agricultural state. Even today, we are the top in a lot of the commodities and food that people eat. Um, and uh, one of the reasons that the fair started was um, to improve our genetics for agriculture here in the state, which I think is sort of innovative and, um, you know, really forward thinking that, um, you know, they saw that corn wasn't growing any taller or producing any more than it had been. So they thought, let's make it a competition of sorts. Uh, so not that this is in production today, but we do have a tall corn contest, you know, that was part of the very first fairs. And then now we still have it today, um, some 160 some years later. Uh, they also did the same thing on the livestock side of things. And so uh, those genetics and those things just kept getting better and better by creating that competition where you could show off what you had that was the best. Um, and also just sort of talking about the westward movement is very interesting to me. Um, you know, that very first fair, I can't even imagine driving a wagon into uh, the fair and still I work in marketing, you know, and, and still getting seven to 8,000 people to come 
um, to one place, uh, basically using word of mouth. Uh, and today we, you know, you know, we've had upwards of 1.1 million people and we use all sorts of different marketing. Um, it started out in Fairfield, Iowa, which we have a mascot still today that is called Fairfield. He has a sister um, called Rosetta. So um, I think that that is uh, super cool that we can sort of go back to that history. Um, and the fair admission at that time was 25 cents. <laughs> they had a budget of, you know, 300 and some uh, dollars. So I, I just think the history of what we do today um, is really, really important. We love to do new things, but we also keep those traditional things going. Um, and, you know, one year the fair wasn't held uh, because of the World's Fair. Uh, it wasn't held because of two different wars, World War um, and then also the Spanish uh, War. And then uh, it wasn't held last year because of COVID. Um, sort of those are sort of things in our history as well. Uh, but it's a place for innovation. It's a place where people bring the new products, you know, whether that be chamois for your car <laughs> or feeders for your livestock. We still have that today. And we had it in 1854 when the fair started. That is so fun. And, you know, I never really thought about the, you know, because every year you have the largest bull and you have the largest pig and the largest pumpkin and I never really thought about the fact that those were traditions that stretched clear through from the beginning of the fair I just kind of figured it was oh well that's fun to see this huge massive bull um, but I never really connected the two that is so fascinating yeah and I think um, you know the big pumpkin is a great example of you know competition because those things are are babied like children um, for the producers that bring them here but also that is sort of a genetic experiment that they can go back home to or the seed person can take back and say okay this is what happened in that giant pumpkin this is how we can you know put that in um, someone else's garden to maybe make it a little stronger and last longer. So fascinating. Now the dates of the Iowa State Fair are always in August and it is always 11 days. So can you tell me is, is there a reason it's 11 days? Is there a reason for the dates that are chosen? I'm sure that there was a whole whole lot of I don't know figuring and mathematics and 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 working with with uh, numbers that went into choosing just the perfect time. Yeah, so um, when the fair started, it actually was held in October, October 25th, 1854. Um, and if you've ever been in Iowa, in October, uh, it could be miserable. Uh, we could have snow, we could have ice, it could be bitterly cold, it could also be a beautiful day. Um, and so the fair sort of hopped around for a bit in the October, September range, um, mostly because it was hooked to agriculture. So it was at a time when um, maybe the crops were ready to compete or a farmer wasn't in the field and could come to the fair. So um, that's sort of how the date was developed and it slowly moved back to August. Um, and we've had a few days, like a week, and then we've gone up to 11 days and 11 days is sort of our sweet spot. And we know that from staff here, you know, that first weekend, it's really busy. We're kind of working the kinks out and then um, we get through that next part of the week and you know we budget and we strategically place it so 
um, people have enough time to enjoy everything, but that they don't get bored with, you know, maybe having it last um, over time. There are other fairs, like for example, Texas does a whole month um, and they take like a couple days off here and there, which we've tried different um, things over the years. And this sort of seems to be the window that's best right before school. Um, the kids' projects are ready if they're exhibiting or showing. And it's sort of the, the end to the summer, uh, so to speak. And, you know, we've had 100 plus what degree weather here in August, and we've had snow during the fair in <laughs> August before. So that's how Iowa rolls. Oh, so there are some really famous features of the Iowa State Fair. And, you know, in my mind, I think of the giant slide that that was always kind of a highlight for me. But then there are other things that people it, it's like when you go to the fair, you do this. So what would you say are some of those famous features that that people just really love at the Iowa State Fair? Well, we like to say around here that if you haven't seen a butter cow, there's no real proof that you have been to the Iowa State Fair. And uh, historically speaking, she's very iconic. Um, it is a, a huge butter cow, full size, uh, that is sculpted by, we've had five uh, butter sculptors over our history. And um, she is on display during the fair. And then um, actually the butter is reused for quite a few years um, after that. But that's sort of an iconic thing. And just historically speaking, that came about as a clever idea by the dairy producers uh, to increase the use of butter and to sort of show different ways that um, it could be utilized and you would want to use it in your kitchen, which I don't know if you'd want to make an actual butter cow in your kitchen, uh, but it was clever nonetheless. And so that's very iconic. And then all of our buildings. So we have buildings that date back to 1886. And when we have guests who come from other states or other uh, countries, the historical buildings that we have, the structures, the different architecture that we have is really impressive. You know, our grandstand was built in 1909. Um, and we've done a couple of renovations to it and it still stands uh, today. So I think those are some of the things that, you know, I think are impressive. Uh, based on other state fairs, we have 450 acres here at the Iowa State Fair and 160 of them roughly are campgrounds. So um, for about 11 days in August, uh, that area I have heard becomes about the seventh largest <laughs> city in Iowa. <laughs> so that also I think is unique um, because it sort of started with tents and um, church groups and exhibitors that would all come in and, and some of those families um, will and gift those camping spots to uh, their families and we have a 20, year wait list uh, for the campgrounds. So if we're talking about some of the things that are iconic or unique, that would be probably ones that come to mind for me. You know, and the campgrounds, it's, it is really a unique thing because it, it, it is almost impossible unless you know somebody who has a campsite and they're not going to be there it is next to impossible to get a camping site at the Iowa State Fair and it is always so so busy and so packed but 
it's it's always kind of fun just to I, it's almost like that annual vacation you take with a thousand of your friends right because it becomes these these groups of people who maybe only see each other once a year and it's it's a huge celebration outside of the fair itself yeah absolutely and you know those people um who have been in the campground for generations um exactly that's what they do is it's a vacation and they have a certain spot they come to and those are when they see those people um and they spend a lot of time down on the grounds um, just doing different activities. Uh, the average fair goer, you know, comes upwards of three days, even, which I'm surprised that, you know, they, they come back for three days. Mm -hmm. And I think our campers, uh, you know, influence that <laughs> it's a, a number because they're here for all 11 days. So speaking about uh, the amount of time people spend at the fairgrounds, there is a lot to see and do. I mean, obviously you have the animal buildings and you have the ag buildings and you have um, the, the amusement park rides and you have the, the varied industries buildings where you can buy absolutely everything. But there's a lot of other entertainment and attractions that happen just completely throughout the grounds. Can you cover kind of the things that, that happen at the fair, both maybe paid uh, entertainment as well as some of the free things. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we like to joke around here that our target audiences are eight ages 18 to 54. Uh, so uh, it's not really a target at that point, you know, it's just pretty much everybody. So uh, we have activities for um, little kids and families. We have activities for grandparents. We have activities for men and women and boys, girls, I mean, just pretty much anything that you could hope for here. Um, we do have about half a million dollars each year of free entertainment, and that means on our free stages. So that's music, concerts um, of every genre, pretty much, um, in addition to our grandstand. So each night of our uh, fair, 11 nights in a row, we have a grandstand act. That is um, a pretty big act. We see about 15,500 people in there um, for a sold out show. And uh, those are usually um, pretty big name acts. Uh, we go from Christian to country to pop, uh, to rock, to classic rock. Um, our largest concert to date was Slipknot. Um, they were 17-7, squeezed in that grandstand, but they're uh, here from Des Moines, and they are heavy metal, um, death metal, I guess, uh, called group. So uh, we have that sort of entertainment if you're into listening to music, but also we have competitions that you can sign up for here at the fair. That's anything from bubblegum blowing to cow chip throwing um, to big wheel races. Um, we have all of those fun games that you can just show up here at the fair and sign up for, or we have um, competitions that you can pre-register for. And two of them that I think are absolutely amazing are the quilt show. We have one of the largest quilt shows. Um, in 2019, we had a lady who took like six years uh, oh, to wow. make one quilt and it was amazing. Uh, and then we have one of the largest food competitions 
um, in the nation. And the unique thing about our food competitions is that they are live judged. So people gather around just as if it were like a basketball or baseball game and they're waiting for the outcome and waiting for the judges scores. And um, you can hear them cheer when, when things are uh, placed and things like that. So uh, those are some of the things that, you know, you can just uh, sign up ahead of time and, and enter anything from a simple salad to cinnamon rolls. Um, so that's sort of fun. And what does it take to be a food judge? Because that sounds like the best gig ever. <laughs> you go through some training, but, uh, you know, I am still waiting for my call to be a food judge. Um, or a wine judge. We have an enormous oenology department, which is wine, and in Iowa, our wine industry and our craft beer industry is really growing, and so they haven't asked me to judge the wine um, yet either. Seems like an oversight. So since we're on the topic of food, there's always a great excitement when the Iowa State Fair releases its new foods list. That's kind of a thing that happens every year. Is it about, what, a month before the fair or so? Yeah, in mid-July, we put that out. Um, you're right. It's about four weeks from the fair when you can start planning out your um, ticking off the foods that you're going to eat that you always do and then adding the, the new crazy adventurous ones that we have each year. And then... I, I like that you take what you have voting on these new foods and, and there's like a, a best food of the fair at the end, right? Yeah, it's sort of a coveted award, the Super Bowl, so to speak, of, you know, fair food around here. And we usually put out, um, we've done it live uh, in the past uh, couple of years, and we have live uh, food unveiling uh, mid-July, and then we allow fairgoers to try uh, the top ones and then they can choose which one comes out on top as the um, best new food for that year. Um, a couple of years ago, we had the um, apple egg rolls and uh, it's a blessing and a curse to our concessionaires because they love the title of best new food. They're competitive and they're also like super creative, uh, but we'll have to ask Connie Bozen how she feels about <laughs> 25 to 50,000 apple egg rolls that she made for the fair. <laughs> I remember she was trying to like barter and trade other concessionaires for caramel sauce because uh, they were so popular. So food is the number one reason that people come to the fair and um, we have amazing food here, um, you know, from the traditional like pork chop on a stick uh, to, you know, the new adventures that we've, we've had where the cup and the food is all connected and weighs, you know, 30 pounds by the time you eat it. Uh, so we have about 70 items on a stick. And I think people get excited because it's kind of um, fair-like uh, to put stuff on a stick, but it really does have a purpose because when you invite 1.1 million people uh, to the fair over 11 days, uh, we know that that can produce a lot of trash and a stick is much smaller than um, any other container that might be out there. So we love it when concessionaires are able to put some new uh, food on a stick. Oh, that's so fun. I never really thought about uh, the fact that it just produces less garbage 
but that is really smart. I will say my favorite fair food is at the Cattleman's and it's the roast beef sundae. That's the thing I have to get every single year. It's the mashed potatoes with the gravy and the beef and the cherry tomato on top. It's, it's just the best thing ever. Yep. I get one of those too. I will second that. So my very favorite happens to be Chucky's tenderloins. It's a ham breaded uh, tenderloin and they're over in front of the Jacobson, but I also like Crescenti's. If you haven't had one of those, they're delicious. Spotter's ice cream. <laughs> um, so you can find um, your your favorites. And it's funny, people always tell us that, you know, oh, I always have to have whatever it is when they um, come to the fair. It is so funny. So now the state fair now, it, it started in Fairfield, but now it is on the east side of Des Moines. And there are a few ways to get there because it gets really crazy busy and parking is at a premium. Um, so what insider tips can you share for maybe arriving to the state fair or when you're at the state fair? What, what tips might people not know that they could find really helpful for their visit? Sure. You know, one of my favorite times here on the fairground is in the morning. Um, our gates open up at eight. Um, so if you can get here early, uh, your odds of getting a parking spot in the lot connected to the fairgrounds is better. Um, or also catching DART. We have um, buses that come from the east of the fairgrounds, and then we have two different ones um, that also come from the west, um, pretty much downtown area. Um, and that Center Street one, people forget about the Center Street DART stop, so it's easier to park there. And um, I'm giving you like secret information that um, <laughs> that one's not as busy and it takes just the same amount of time from the Capitol as it does from Center Street. Uh, so DART's a great way to get here and it's stress-free for you and super cheap. It's less than a dollar um, to get on that bus and, and ride it here. If you want your car here on the fairgrounds, I would suggest that people come early. Um, as you would guess, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a little bit busier days. Um, we have a discount after five on those uh, weekdays. So if you want to come out, enjoy some food, do some of our um, activities in the evening, sometimes you can slip right in after five um, and get a discount. Uh, if you want to come for the daytime, we have uh, tickets ahead of time that are also a, a lot cheaper. So you can save about $5 on an adult ticket if you do that um, ahead of time. We have a daily program that goes up on our website. It's on our app and it's also um, available on our website or a printed piece too, actually, that comes out before the fair. So if you wanna like pick out your favorite activities and sort of time what you're doing, um, then that would be sort of a good route to take it versus like walking in the gate and, and then trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> But we do have plenty. I mean, we're used to, you know, 100,000 people or so a day coming into the fairgrounds. So buy your tickets online. You don't even have to stop at our ticket window. Then you just buzz right through. So um, we're used to getting people through and, and we can do that pretty quick around around here. Great tips. And for all the information, those deals and discounts, 
where can people visit online? And are there any social media accounts that they want to be sure to follow to get them excited for what's to come with the Iowa State Fair? Absolutely. So you can go to iowastatefair.org. That's our website, and it's iowastatefair, all one word, .org. Or you can also download our app. Um, we have an official app that is good for Apple and Android users. Uh, we also have a text alert that you can sign up, and that's 844-844-8508, I believe. And um, you can get that uh, text alert then and get kind of the latest and greatest. And then we also have an e-newsletter that will come out to you as well. And that has sort of um, little tidbits of information for when deadlines are coming and or when concert tickets go on sale and those sorts of things. So um, all of that is ready and for you to get more information about the fair. And I'm assuming everything you mentioned can be found on the iowastatefair.org site so they can find all, all their quick and easy apps and, and signups all right there. Absolutely, iowastatefair.org. And we cannot wait to see you if you haven't been here before and we can't wait to see you again if you're coming back. Great, well, Mindy, thank you so much for giving us this insight into the Iowa State Fair. And good luck on another great year. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app or take a screenshot and tag me in your Instagram stories at Jody Halstead.